Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 716 Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Monday, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Steve Carp. Carpy, how are you doing? Better than the Raiders. Oh, my God. Okay, so listen, here's, here's, here's the backstory, folks. I was with Carpy in Vegas. We were at the NBA in-season tournament. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, I had to head back to Los Angeles to handle some things. Kind of bummed, uh, you know, like any chance I'm in town, uh, would love to go see the Silver and Black. Watching that game... And uh, they almost made history. Uh, I was actually amazed, Stephen. I don't know if you were tracking this. Uh, we were less than two minutes away from the first ever scoreless game in the National Football League that went into overtime. I would have thought that would have happened at some point in time, but it is really hard not to at least score a field goal, which the Vikings ended up doing in the final minute. The Vikings defeated the Raiders three to nothing. Set the scene. How bad was it? It was bad. <laughs> and I'm not going to give the defenses credit because the Raiders had essentially two weeks to get ready for this game, and they just laid the biggest egg offensively you ever saw. You know, it's funny. They did have a chance to get the lead, to score. Yeah. Hunter Renfro had made a nice catch and run down to the Minnesota 11. If the Raiders don't turn it over, they're coming away with points, at the very least three, maybe six. But two plays after Renfro's catch, he fumbles. Yeah. And Minnesota recovers. And that was pretty much it for the Raiders. Uh, Aiden O'Connell had a really tough day. And... Everyone asked Antonio Pierce after the game, did you consider going to Jimmy Garoppolo because the Vikings decided that they'd seen enough of Josh Dobbs and they let Nick Mullins try and lo and behold, he gets the Vikings downfield close enough to get in the field goal range and they kick the field goal. They win the game ultimately. Mm -hmm. I was personally hoping for a scoreless tie yes. all the way through overtime because that kind of an aptitude deserves a special <laughs> uh, place, if you will. I mean, you would have seen the history. I think then at that point, it goes from being a terrible game to like you were a part of history. Um, right. So, <laughs> um, okay, so now short week for them. Yes. I'm actually going to head back out there, so I will see you Thursday. It is Raiders. Oh, 
Chargers, Thursday night football. Okay, so Steve, we have two teams here, by the way, because I, I know you don't uh, track the Chargers. We'll be talking to Fernando Ramirez in the next segment. Uh, okay, so that's a team by that's probably not going to be with Justin Herbert, but a team that uh, can't score either. I mean, I don't know what the like, over-under is going to be. Uh, that might be one of the lowest ones of the season. Your thoughts on that game on Thursday night? I'm just going to make believe I'm watching Iowa. <laughs> two inept NFL teams yeah. that likely can't score. I'm just going to pretend I'm at an Iowa game on Thursday. Yeah. Instead of black and gold, it'll be silver and black. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, this is the NFL. You, you should be able to find a way to generate some sort of scoring in this league. I mean, all the rules favor the offense anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, come on. I mean, the Raiders and Chargers have played some unbelievable games in their history. But wouldn't it be amazing if Thursday night we have another 0-0 game <laughs> going into the fourth quarter? Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, the NFL hasn't had a tie, a scoreless tie since 1943. And they didn't play overtime back then. It was the Lions and the Giants in Detroit. Yeah. Okay. So now you got overtime. And I really was hoping that they would block the field goal on Sunday and send it into OT 0 0. But, you know, here's the problem, Maras. The Raiders obviously have problems maintaining continuity on offense. Yeah. And you, Justin Herbert's probably not playing on Thursday. They may be without Josh Jacobs. Mm. He, he hurt his knee early in the game. It got worse as it went along. By the fourth quarter, he was limping out of there and headed to the locker room. I don't know that he plays on Thursday. So we probably see Zamir White in his place. Now, he's a decent running back, but he's not Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So Antonio Pierce, they better figure out some sort of game plan to try to move the ball. I know they tried to get Devontae Adams involved early on Sunday and that's all well and good, but you got to be able to spread it around a little bit if you're going to be efficient. And it would help also to quit having holding penalties and, you know, just stupid stuff that's so Raider-esque over the decades. It's, it's amazing that years later, they still commit these dumb penalties <laughs> at the most opportune times. Yeah. Uh, you tweeted a about it. I mean, again, we're used to this at this point. Uh, was there a lot of uh, purple in the crowd? Uh, uh, yeah. It seemed like a lot of skull, a lot of skull being chanted. Yeah. yeah. That, look, uh, Ross, that's just the way it's going to be. No, exactly. You're getting used to it. Yeah, and you got to win. And listen, at the end of the day, and you know, Vegas in a short amount of time, and I knew this would happen because, again, there's 
the reason that Los Angeles is like this is there's a lot of options and the same for, for uh, Vegas, you know, you have a certain amount to spend for your, uh, you know, your uh, entertainment dollar uh, and, you know, it, you're not going to spend it on a, a subpar product. You know, there's a lot of good shows, a lot of things that you could do. So I totally get it. Um, Steve, the in-season tournament, I think there was a lot of curiosity around it. I think it went better than the league thought, to be honest with you. I, I think the league knew it would take time. Um, but the fact that the players bought in, the fact that LeBron really wanted to be in the, in the tournament and, and win it, um, I still have to get used to the whole champagne celebration. You were front row at the press conference with the goggles and it just, it's a weird thing to view on December 9th, 23 games into the regular season. That being said, the league wants uh, games prior to Christmas to mean something. Sold out crowd. Obviously, it helps that the Los Angeles Lakers are there. They've always been sort of, uh, you know, uh, they have a connection to Vegas. You were at the in-season tournament. You were at all the games. You wrote uh, the uh, the. Uh, uh, Great columns. What did you think of the first ever uh, tournament? I thought I would hate it. <laughs> I was loving it. Okay. Remember, I'm an old curmudgeon, Arash. <laughs> I'm not one of these young influencers. You're not? <laughs> you know, can generate millions of page views and followers and all that. I'm just an old ink-stained wretch. But I got to tell you. It was so refreshing to watch an NBA game where the players of both teams were actually trying mm -hmm. and where they were actually trying to play defense and, and the offense was really good. I, I thought it was wonderful. I even didn't mind the colorful court. I yeah. thought I would it, but I thought the one in Vegas looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you thought. No, you know what? Here's the thing. My thought about the court is I love the idea of a cleaner court where you have the logo, whether it's the NBA Cup or the NBA Finals trophy logo, whatnot. Like, I think it's a little bit much, but listen, it seemed like the fans loved it. And, and from what I heard from league executives was that if you're walking in the casino floor, if you're walking uh, like at a bar and you see this crazy court out of the side of your eye, you're going to stop to to take a look at it. Same if you're flipping the channel. And so their idea with the, with the court was like, let's make it unique. And there was no real complaints from the players. So oh. I think that, that that'll continue. Uh, um, having viewed it though, Steve, I mean, is there anything that you would... Um, uh, tweak or change? A couple things. I didn't think the nightclub vibe, yeah, blocking out the the crowd and not being able to see the fans, and just with a, just the spotlight on the court itself, was a cool idea. I know what they were trying to get with the vibe, but I thought it would be better to have the normal lighting. Okay. Well. Also, don't play a game at 2 in the afternoon in Vegas. Yeah, that's rough. People are just kind of waking up at 2 in the <laughs> afternoon. All right? And you're asking to come to an arena to watch two teams that don't normally play here. Meanwhile, that was a great game. It was. The yeah. Milwaukee 
Indiana game was a heck of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. I, and you know what? The Pacers wound up losing to the Lakers for the the title. But they put themselves on the map, man. Mm-hmm. People now know who Tyrese Halliburton is. Yeah. And this is a fun team to watch. I'm going to keep an eye on the Pacers going forward because they have a lot of young talent. They got a really good coach at Rick Carlisle. I think their future is really bright. I don't know how you feel, but... No, yeah. And, and certainly the Lakers, if they can build on this success and carry this momentum through Christmas into the new year, they can put themselves in a situation where they'll be able to afford to lose a few and yeah. still be right where they want to be as long as they can keep their guys together healthy and, and keep growing as a team. And uh, I, I really like the way Austin Reeves, by the way, mm-hmm. is fit in yeah. the way Marvin Ham uses him. Off the bench, generates some offense. He's such a smart player. You put him out there with any four other guys on the Lakers, and, and good things are going to happen. I mean, it doesn't have to always be about LeBron. Steve, I mean, you you covered him when they had Team USA camp out there, and that, that was sort of viewed by a lot of people. He had, he had a, a great postseason, but he really came into his own. Uh, he, he was one of the key role players, key players mm-hmm. for Team USA. Um, yeah. And again, you were there. I, I think this was another great moment for him, kind of a, a quote-unquote flu game. He wasn't feeling well, had a great game. Uh, they... It, it seems weird to call it a big three, but I mean, he is the third guy on that team. Uh, touch on the development that you've seen from the summer when you sat down with him for a great feature story that you wrote to where he is right now. His confidence is off the charts. Yeah. And I think playing with those other good players on Team USA and playing for Steve Kerr, getting a different coaching perspective. And, and learning a few different things about the game, I think has really helped Austin Reeves' development. He, he's, first of all, he's not afraid to fail, which mm-hmm. is really important. Second, he's willing to learn. And so you take those components and you put it with a guy who has a good IQ and can physically handle himself in the NBA you got a shot to be a very special player and understanding his role and fulfilling it with the Lakers. So I think they're doing a great job with him. He himself is doing a great job. And I think you got to give Rob Polink a lot of credit for giving him that long-term deal. Yeah. And keep him around LA. He couldn't let him walk. And they said, no, we want to keep you here. You're part of what we're trying to do. Uh, Steve, uh, and we'll have some time to to, uh, talk about this as we get closer to the date of the game, but the Las Vegas Bowl, I I think, did as good a job as they can. They have Utah, which has been, uh, you know, uh, they've they've, uh, had a great run, and it is a uh, community that is driving distance, flying distance, obviously, but uh, a lot of Utah fans can, you know, drive to the game. Northwestern, again, you know, their, their fans are very passionate as well, your thoughts on the Las Vegas Bowl game coming up, uh, UNLV versus Northwestern. Utah and Northwestern. Oh, yeah, UNLV. sorry. 
Yeah, sorry. You know these in the, uh, the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix. That's right. So they, Utah they, Northwestern. I think it's a fun game. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has done an amazing job over the years in Utah. Their their fans will travel to Vegas, and I think the uh, Northwestern fans who. By the way, they have alumni all over the country, especially in L.A. They have a, a very broad base of alums there who will likely come to Vegas and as well as people in the Chicagoland area who want to get the hell out of the cold weather right. right before Christmas to come watch their team play. And uh, it's a, Northwestern's a great story because of all the turmoil they had going into the season, you know, firing the coach, bringing the interim guy in, trying to keep the program together. A lot of guys bailed. Yeah. You know, it's both bowl, bowl season's always tricky, Rosh. That's because right. you never know who gives a damn and who's That's bailing right. it in. Like your team, uh, you know, when they play the holiday uh, bowl, yeah. I don't know how many guys SD's going to put on the field that day, but you yeah. know the, the point I'm trying to make, right? Yeah, is you hope that you're the brunt of the bulk of your guys want to play, and that they show up on game day and give a good effort for you. You know, I remember last year's Vegas Bowl, Florida against Oregon State. The Gators left like thirty guys home. That's you remember right. that? Yeah, that's right. That was a boat race by the Beavs. Yeah. So, Let's see what happens in this year's game. I'd like to think that both the Utes and the Wildcats will have pretty much most, if not all, of their guys. You know, but I mean, I, I read the other day. Well, you know, Monday was the, the first last Monday was the first day of the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Four thousand players. Think about this number. Yeah. 4,000 players supposedly put their names in the portal? I mean, how insane is this? Yeah. I'm not even talking about Caleb Williams, who's not going to play because he doesn't want to get hurt before the draft and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be a handful of those guys who, you know, who aren't going to want to play in a a bowl. The whole thing has just gotten kind of real cockeyed, if you ask me. And it really detracts from what should be the most wonderful time of the year. Mm-hmm. Not just because Christmas is coming. That's right. I want to kind of close out on this, you know, because I think a lot of uh, fans who are in town for either the in-season tournament or mm-hmm. uh, the Pac-12 championship game or the Mountain West or whatever, you know, when we've talked about the uh, F1, my issue really is not with the event being held in Vegas. I mean, if it was a... Uh, well, you know, like a turnkey event where they come in and then they leave the next day or the next week. Uh, but <laughs> people couldn't see the Bellagio fountains and, and all that. And you d- d- drive and you, again, you pr- probably try not to go on the strip. But Steve, I mean, talk about the fact that we probably won't be fully back to normal in Vegas till New Year's Eve. And they are working around the clock just to get that date done. Yeah, it's a big date here, obviously. Yeah. It's, arguably, it's arguably the biggest night of the year, the entire year for the city. Yeah. And they better have all this stuff taken down and put away so 
people could get around on the strip yeah. in the new year. You know, it's it's really weird that it took so long to set it up, but weirder that it's going to take so long to take it all down. Exactly. They got to find a better way. Yeah. And again, it goes back to Clark County Commission basically handing over the keys to the streets to the F1 folks and not realizing all the ramifications of their decision. Yeah. So let's hope that, um, you know, December 31st, we can have a normal New Year's Eve with 400,000 of our closest friends and <laughs> no incidents. And we can usher in 2024 on a good note. Yeah, I, I, I have full confidence that that's going to happen. But again, yeah, it, it, it's more or less uh, what the uh, how long it took to set up and how long it's taken to uh, take down. But again, the amazing run of sports events in Las Vegas will continue. I will uh, be back out there uh, Thursday, Steve. So I will uh, see you yeah. at Allegiant Stadium, Raiders, you know Chargers. Uh, we no, but we're we're. we're up against it, but I, I, I'm going to see you Thursday. We're going to leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Fernando Ramirez talking about the Chargers when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment... Or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Or let's head back out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fernando Ramirez. Fernando, how are you? I'm good, Arash. I'm very, uh, very interesting uh, <laughs> matchup uh, yesterday between the Chargers and the Broncos, to say the least. Not as exciting as uh, Patrick Mahomes trying to uh, uh, taking officials' head off, but uh, definitely uh, very interesting. Amazing. Let's get into this. Uh, last week, we kind of joked about the fact that you know, yes, the Chargers won, but it was six to nothing. No touchdowns. Uh, didn't look great. Uh, same situation uh, on Sunday. However, uh, a bigger problem, obviously, in play here with the injury to Justin Herbert. Um, uh, paint the picture now. Uh, do you do you have any update on Justin Herbert and what does 
his status again short week what does it look like i mean i'd be very surprised if one if he played uh two it was a um Brandon Saley, I mean, and honestly, we went, we walked right into the locker room about to interview the first person and Brandon Saley's going to the, to the podium and you're like, oh crap. So it was a right index fracture. Um, Justin was concealing that hand the whole time during the presser, the whole time in the locker room, the whole time while he was on the sideline. I asked him, does it hurt? He said, yeah, it does not feel good right now at all. Even like he tried to go back in, he tried to grab a football. He couldn't. It's the index finger Mm. that I mean, anything to do with your throwing hand is obviously very important, especially duh, it's a quarterback. And I'd be very, I think we're going to get Aiden O'Connell against uh, (laughs) Easton stick to be completely honest on primetime. And then uh, the funny part is NBC already covered their tracks. Uh, they put Austin Eckler now on the graphic in two weeks when they play the Bills. So yeah, now it's right. Austin Eckler and not uh, Justin Herbert. So definitely some interesting stuff. But the question has to be asked, Arash, should Justin Herbert, even if he can possibly come back and play, yeah. should he? That's the real question. I mean, because I am probably in agreement with you in terms of of saying no. I mean, I, they're not... I, right, I, I, by the way, I think we, we both were in agreement they had no chance to make the playoffs, but now it's, you know, it was 16% going into the game and now it's 2%. I mean, folks, I mean, they're, they're not making the playoffs. So, like... What All I can was, think about is Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, technically. Uh, so, and, then I, Han, and then Han Solo. <laughs> never tell me the odds, kid. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you view the end of the season? I mean, like, are there young players? I mean, not not that, no. like, not that, like, Easton Stick is going to be someone that you want to see how he does, but I, what, what, what can you do? What, what can I thought you the Broncos, do? I thought the Broncos kind of took their foot off the gas, but at the same time, I thought that throw to Quentin Johnson was actually really impressive. 57 yards. Yeah. I know that some fans have been clamoring on Twitter that, uh, sometimes when he was down the field, Quentin Johnson would be open. And here it was pretty impressive. And then on the next play, he's against Patrick Sertan. And he gets wide open on Patrick Sertan, and he's able to catch a 22-yard pass. So, I mean, he finished with three catches, 91. I mean, I guess now for the rest of the season, I mean, I know obviously uh, coaches are still coaching, players are still playing, and, and there's a lot to play for. But, I mean, I, I don't know how much you can really do moving forward. I mean, you're playing the – and especially if Justin Herbert's not there – Aiden O'Connell, I guess that game you could possibly win, but with that offensive line being as bad as they are, Trey Pipkins might have a terrible day against Max Crosby. And then um, and then you come back and play the Bills. We just saw what the Bills did to the Chiefs. Uh, the Bills right now are uh, they're they're kind of rolling. I mean, they should have beat Philly two weeks ago. Yeah. They went into their bye week. They came out hard and aggressive against KC. Um, and then you play in Denver. Yeah, that one's going to be way. Then Denver's just one game behind Kansas City for the division. So every game counts. And, and I just really, I, I really don't see, um, a possibility where, where they can win another game. I mean, I know I've been on that since the Jets win, but I, I really don't know if they can, uh, snag another victory from now until the end of the season. Like I couldn't help but think of what you said. Like after you're trying to find the words. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just so frustrating because, like, listen, like with with what happened of the last couple of years, Fernando, it was very frustrating. But at least, so two years ago, 
They go down to the last game of the season, Sunday night football, a great game, comes down to a really bad decision, bad timeout, things happen, whatever. Last you know what I thought the bad decision in that game was? It wasn't yeah. even a timeout. I thought when Mike Williams caught that touchdown on fourth and whatever on the last play of the game, I thought Brandon was going to go for the two and just end the game there. I would uh, not have trusted that defense to go out one yeah. more time on the field. I would have gone. I would have used my best play, gone for two, and ended the game right there. Hey, you live and die by it. But uh, but my bad. Go ahead. My bad. Continue. No, Sorry. But then, but then, like a year ago, you know, they they have this this big lead in the postseason. They, they're a playoff team. I mean. There was this buildup, and then it was like, you know what? That's not going to happen. We've improved. We've gone past that. I mean, this season has been beyond disappointing. I mean, it, it is really an indictment of the direction of the franchise, which is why our uh, – I mean, I'm joking, like our friend Tom Telesco. But, like, we, we, we joke <laughs> about Tom Telesco. Like, listen, I really think moving into this brand-new practice facility – you got to clear the slate. You got to clean the slate. Uh, your thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah, it just, it, at this point, it's just like, what else can you really do? I mean, literally, uh, this is the same thing that's been happening under the three head coaches under Tom Telesco. The first two yeah. years, they perform well. They're the winning, winning record. And then they come out the year after and or on the year three and it just goes downhill from there. And that's, that's what we're seeing right now from this team. And I mean, yeah, the players are playing hard and everything, but it just, it's not materializing into wins. And you really have to ask yourselves moving forward, what is going to happen? What is the next move, uh, for this team? Just cause it's just not a pretty sight right now for this team. And, and, and obviously you want to have hope. Like you're like, okay, you have Justin Herbert, you have, you have Keenan Allen, you have Khalil Mack, you have Derwin James, but then really behind those. And then I guess. Well, I don't even know if you can throw in Rashawn Slater in there just because it's been a bad season overall for the offensive line as a whole. But it's like you have some pieces, but like everything else. And that's why I've been saying, that's why I've told you, the Rams are impressive. Why? Because the Rams just went into Baltimore. They took it to them. It took overtime when the Rams have no business after all the pieces that have left them. There is no way they should be competing with Baltimore. But why are they? Puka Nakua, yeah. undrafted free agents, late round selections, stuff like that reflects on the team. And right now you're seeing this Charger team for a couple of seasons. I've been saying they're top heavy. They have no depth. And now it's just coming to fruition where you don't see the depth. That's a thing. They're, they're not good at drafting late round. I mean, you'll, they'll get one guy once in a while, but it's just it for every Austin Eckler, there's a, I don't know. There's a, just a guy like a Donald Butler or just guys that just don't materialize. Chris Wad, guys that just don't materialize. I mean, there, there's perfect examples of it all over this team. And it's been the same thing for now. Uh, what is this? 11, 11? Yeah, 11 seasons. So it's just, uh, it, it's getting really ugly. And, and honestly, you kind of have to wonder, like, what, what is next? Yeah. Uh, Fernando, the, um, holiday bowl is coming up, uh, and we'll have some time to uh, talk about it. But now that, you know, Caleb Williams did announce that he is not going to play in the game, he is still not, by the way, officially announced he's going pro, although, like, 
he will. Uh, what's the? Uh, I bet you he announces it at the holiday after the holiday bowl. After the holiday bowl, what what what's the feeling again? I think anytime you can get USC in the holiday bowl, that's a good thing. You're going to get some fans out there. But uh, thoughts on the matchup there, USC in Louisville. Uh, people will find any excuse to drink, so I think people. Uh, I think people will have fun with it, but yeah. uh, but at the same time, at the same time, you just don't know with uh, with what the game's going to be. I mean, I guess for USC fans, it's a perfect way to see what's next for them. I mean, I yeah. saw. I think I saw Jerry Rice's son announce that he's going to the NFL, so that's yeah. going to be very interesting. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess fans, I mean, football's football. San Diego's clamoring for it. They love football. So this gives them a good opportunity to see, uh, to see, um, USC and Louisville. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just kind of interested to see what USC does in terms of their quarterback situation moving forward. Again, the transfer portal is such a game changer where, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who you recruit now or how yeah. you look because you could get the starting quarterback at another top 25 team in this same offseason. So, you know, we'll, well, I don't know if you saw that report. Marvin Harrison Jr. supposedly has 20 to 25 million dollar <laughs> deal ready to, for him to stay one more year. Like that is Luke. That is. It's incredible what college football has, I guess, in a sense, become. I mean, it's literally free. The transfer portals become free agency for um, for a lot of uh, a lot of players, and and some of these players are making a lot of money. But it sucks because I mean, this kind of takes away from the JUCOs. Yeah. It takes away from high school football. So it's just uh, it's really kind of uh, become a whirlwind. But yeah, the, the college college football landscape is uh, is crazy right now. Speaking of uh, big contracts, I want to get your thoughts on Shohei Otani going to the Dodgers. The show. Uh, and again, not that these moves are correlated, but you know, I mean, I thought it was fun for a year or two there where the Dodgers and Padres were going head to head. Now Juan Soto's been traded to the Yankees. Uh, first on Shohei, go to the Dodgers. Your thoughts on that move? I honestly, I think I saw who was it, Nightingale, the one that said that media has become. <laughs> yeah, like I saw him take kind of a shot, and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, some people got it wrong, and uh, about the whole Toronto thing and everything. But I mean, it's good for baseball, and, and you know what? Well, you know what? I really was interested in to see what he was going to do because I know that he wanted to stay somewhere where uh, they could see him in uh, in Japan and everything. But the other thing is, Arash, I mean, let's be honest, who wants to leave? Who really wants to leave Southern California? Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's really nice. He gets to stay in L.A. The media market is crazy. I'm sure the Japanese writers and media people are excited. They don't have to move to Toronto or anything like that. But I just think it makes the Dodgers. It's it just the Dodgers reloading again. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if it if this if this leads them to another championship or what this is going to do. But uh, definitely interesting. I mean, I know when Shohei comes to San Diego. That Petco Park is going to be packed because uh, fans are going to definitely want to see him uh, play. Uh, your thoughts on the Juan Soto trade? Um, is this some sort of? I thought it was. I thought it was needed to be honest. Okay. Okay. Touch on locker that. Room wise, room wise, yeah. Locker room wise. Uh, locker room wise, it, it just it. Arash, when I would walk in there, I, you could feel tension, and I mean. 
his, I'm sure now I can say it, but well, not I can say it before, yeah. but his locker was far away from Manny, from Fernando Tatis. Like it's right. literally Tatis, it's Machado, Tatis, and Hassan Kim right. with the three lockers next to each other. So, and I mean, you got some pitchers, and now you kind of opened up the the wallet a little bit to be able to um, to spend in free agency and may, or maybe make a move, trade Cronenworth away, bring somebody in, but. The crazy part about the Juan Soto trade now is that uh, I was looking at their books and that damn Eric Hosmer contract is still there. <laughs> they have to pay him $13 million this year, and I think he's out of Major League Baseball. So it's incredible uh, the way these baseball contracts work, but maybe it helps the locker room. Maybe it helps ease the tension. Uh, now it's to see what else they can fill out because the only two outfielders they have are uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., and uh, I, I think a Asokar, I can't remember the other guy, but I think it was uh, as Asokar. So uh, we'll see what what else they can fill out. But uh, they have Shield and the Padres have their work cut out for them um, moving forward. Yeah, it, 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 it was one of those things where I, I, I love the Dodgers-Padres rivalry. You know, they met in the postseason in uh, 2022 and then in 2020 during the pandemic. And I really was hoping that that would be something we could see build off of, but it just has not happened. So, um, you know, we'll see how both of those teams do going into this upcoming season. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on one more thing before I uh, uh, close out with CM Punk. I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, soccer coming to San Diego. Uh, what, what, what's the latest you've heard on you know, them building sort of that fan base. Uh, again, we, we just had the cop, uh, over the past weekend and just amazing the fan bases that, that have, uh, come to, you know, Columbus, Ohio and places that you would not normally think. San Diego has always been a soccer hotbed. Uh, your thoughts on, uh, or if you could just tell us what that group is doing to make sure that when they launch, they have a crazy, a uh, loyal group. Well, speaking of loyal, it seems like the San Diego loyal fans, the loyal just ended. Uh, there were a second division team. Wow. They, the fans from San Diego said that they're going to be moving over to the new SDFC team. So they're going to be following them. They had That's a good, good, strong group. That's a good building block for them. But now obviously moving forward, uh, they've been doing stuff in the community. They've been uh, trying to get uh, more excitement. The night that they did, they did some event at uh, at Snapdragon Stadium, and there was, uh, I think, over what was it? Either eight, it was either five to ten thousand people there. So there is excitement. I mean, the thing is, is that it's still another year away. Yeah. So San Diego FC has a really good opportunity for the next year to really build that fan base up and, and try and do more events and maybe bring some soccer legends from other teams that are willing to come out and, and do events here, but maybe do something like that to get fans really hyped. But uh, first off, they need to get a Mexican national star, yeah. somebody like a, like a Chucky Lozano or somebody like that to really get the fan base excited, uh, especially the Mexican fan base. But, uh, but that definitely, they, they have to bring, some kind of star or something to the to uh, the team. Uh, okay, so let's talk about your guy CM Punk. By the way, I was really thrilled that he's you know 
go in and talk to, uh, you know, Cora Jade and is in the ring with Shawn Michaels at that NXT. That, that seemed like, I was like, are they both drunk? <laughs> I, that, that, that seemed so unscripted and so weird. And I just, I was <laughs> like, those are my two drunk uncles just in the ring yeah. hanging out, I guess. Um, what have you thought of what they've done with him so far creatively? Again, we're probably building up to the Royal Rumble, but, um, your thoughts again, it could not be a more pumped up, like well anticipated debut. And then, then the question becomes, what do they do with him post that debut? What have you thought about what he's done so far? Well, I think masterfully has been Seth Rollins really, like he's been at house shows, he's been saying stuff. He's like that fool is not that fool is not ready. I is so up for a good one. CM Punk's first promo to me was a snoozer. The second one, the one that he cut on SmackDown, I was like, all right, this is the CM Punk I was waiting. He even made a joke about walking into a lo- the Bloodlines locker room. He, and then he's like, in 2023, you can't just punch people in the face. Like, right. I thought all that was great. Uh, I think I think he's going to end up winning the the Royal Rumble. Um, I, I could see somewhere. This is how I would do it. I would say he chooses SmackDown. And uh, and he says he goes to SmackDown. He wins the Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes gets screwed out of the Royal Rumble by the Bloodline. I think Jimmy Uso comes in, throws him out of the ring or solo, and Cody's like, "I'm not going to be able to finish my my story." And then CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble. He chooses Seth Rollins. That comes then a trade happens between SmackDown and Raw. They send yeah. Cody Rhodes to SmackDown, and he chooses the. He says that he wants to fight Roman Reigns for one more chance. Night one, Seth Rollins, CM Punk. Night two, <laughs> Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns. I love it. You you had the whole thing uh, planned out. Real quick before we close out, what did you think of the of the NBA uh, uh, in season tournament? By the way, I, I, again, I don't I like was, the celebrating. That, that's my only issue with it. Really, that was my only issue. Was like, listen, I know they have to give them a trophy. It's fine, no problem there. But do we really have to give them goggles and champagne in the locker room? You Bro, do know that there's a whole season left, right? Like, you still have a long way to go. Bro, it's December 9th, and they yeah. uh, and they and they're 23 games into the season, and now they got to fly. To Dallas to play game twenty four the regular season on Tuesday. Just yeah, it was just weird. But like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. like it. I, I, I thought it was too much. Uh, I like what you asked though about the or the tweet that you had out that the Lakers are not going to put no. that banner up. It's crazy. I think the Clippers would have to be honest. I, if I'm yeah, going to be prob- completely honest, probably. But the Lakers, <laughs> yeah, you're all about championships. You're all about retired jerseys. Don't do it. But I just thought it was. I I I, I didn't like all the celebrating and. And all that. By the way, D'Angelo Russell saying, "Yeah, I'm going to probably spend that five hundred thousand on my uh, vacation." I'm like, "Crap! I, I wish wanna, I could spend five hundred thousand hey, dollars on a vacation." I just want a vacation with D'Angelo Russell. That's all I want to. Um, yeah, I know exactly. Right? Like, um, do you need a bodyguard to go with you? D? <laughs> exactly. I got you. Uh, all right, you're you're the best. I will see you in Vegas on Thursday, uh, and uh, we will have a good time. I don't know how good the game will be, but I know we'll have a good time. Uh, that's (laughs) all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.